What was the relationship like with your dad? This podcast, Military Veteran Dad, is brought to you by the Business of Fatherhood, an effort by me to help you become a better dad. By helping dads create a lasting feeling of change on the inside, help them grow through generational trauma, and by redefining the definition of living. There is more to life than being alive. Find out more information about this, head on over to bencloy.com or check out the Business of Fatherhood podcast on any and all platforms. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. It is episode 164. I'm your host, Ben Cloy. We got another jam-packed episode today, a little bit different than other episodes we've done, but nevertheless, just as gut-wrenching but inspiring as previous episodes. But before we get started about this episode, time for a really bad dad joke. So last night, I was asking Alexa for jokes because I was bored, and one of the jokes that she threw out was so bad, I decided to bring it to you. And the joke goes like this. What do you call a fish that eats peanut butter? Wait for it. A jellyfish. Yes. Yes. I know that was a really bad joke. But if you don't know the trick, Alexa has a lot of bad jokes. She can rattle off a joke one right after another, and they're all pretty much equally as bad. And if you're really loving the bad jokes that Alexa has, ask her for a riddle because they are a lot simpler than you might think, and two, they're equally as bad. But let's get started with today's episode. Have you ever felt like you're living the wrong plan? You might have heard me talk about my story, where my story turned into what I thought was going towards the American dream, but ended up being the American hell. Today, I am talking with Heidi Dusek, who felt the same way in her early 20s and decided to do something about it. She's not a military veteran, but her story is brought to you by Military Veteran Dad because this episode is one where I want to inspire you to live through adventure in a way that we often don't realize we are perfectly designed for. She flipped a script on her life, started living according to a new plan on her own design. Adventure was a key word she decided to weave into her life as she rebuilt her life from the ground up. Heidi is here to tell us about living as a family through adventure. Her podcast, Ordinary Sherpa, has an amazing story about what she does with her own family and the crazy ideas and the crazy just adventures that she goes on, but they're not that crazy. They just look crazy from the outside, but the way she describes them is very normal, and the memories that she makes on these adventures are life-changing memories. So that'll be in the show notes at the end of this for her podcast, Ordinary Sherpa. But as military dads, we are trained to create adventure, but often we just don't have the ideas, or we don't have the permission, or maybe we just need the path to have these ideas to transition that into skill at uh, that transition adventure into our skills as a dad. Well, today we're going to take care of that with her guide Beyond Normal, which is also the title of a recent book. There'll also be a link for that down in the show notes. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode with Heidi Dusek. And as always, hang on for the other side for my big takeaway. Welcome to the podcast, Heidi. 
Hey, how's it going, Ben? Good to see you again. Thanks Good for having me. Good to see me. you as well. And I wish this is one of those irony because you were just in northern Wisconsin. I'm in southern Wisconsin, but we've never actually met up in Wisconsin. And I always hate those kind of friendships because then it's like, I need to put more prioritization to that because you don't even have the normal excuses that like, oh, you're in another state or you're in the other part of country. It's like, no, if it really needs to happen. So I'm. it's one of my goals this summer is to get us up there and do like fishing or something really simple or some adventure, which is what we're talking about today. Or maybe letting yes. you drive the bus on the adventure and I'll just be bring us and the kids and then you, you kind of uh, show us the way. Yeah, show up. Let's go. I always hate when I use the word busy in any of my rationalization, why we haven't gotten together, Ben. So I'm not going to use that word because I'm going to tell us today too, like you don't, you can choose your own busy. So just decide that you're going to be busy enough to, but make this, make this a priority and I will do the same. How about that? I agree. And I always like swapping out the word busy with productive. So you've just been really productive at a lot of things <laughs> that have gotten in the way for us getting together. Yes. Which is True one of the story. reasons why we're talking today, because you just launched a book, Beyond Normal. Before we dive into the book, I want to dive a little bit before the book, before this kind of like whole new Heidi turned on. Take me to like the the version of you before you were kind of understanding that adventure was this tool set. Like what was the old Heidi like in that yeah. old mindset? If there was old ever mindset. one, I've never heard one of your origin stories, so I'm not sure yeah, exactly no, what we're I mean, going I into think here. I think it was a growth journey more than an origin story. So I've always been somewhat adventurous, but like if you were to compare me of all of my brothers, I have three brothers, by the way. So there's definitely like a, just a natural tomboy in me. But if you were to compare me, I was the kid that followed the rules. I got good grades. I did all the activities. I followed the plan. And then there came a point in my life when I just got pissed off at the plan because I was like, damn it, I followed the plan and the plan lied. Now it's not working out. It's not, it's not that it didn't work out. It's just, I didn't really know what I was signing up for anymore. I didn't really feel like I was being authentically Heidi. And there was a period, I guess, uh, how early I was in my early twenties when I went through a pretty massive breakup and I had already committed my life. You know, I had so many things wrapped up in that relationship that I kind of was left with a mess and I had to figure out what do I want out of this mess and what am I going to let go of? And so I called it my year of yes, where I just had to figure out like, what do I want to be with? What do I want my life to be? What do I want my career to be? And so it, it, it probably was the spark to an adventurous lifestyle that I didn't really know was emerging because that gave me permission to do things like trapeze lessons. It gave me permission to sign up for jobs or apply for jobs that I probably didn't think I was good enough for. It allowed me to do all these different things that I just never saw in my future. And I had a blast because I was just saying yes to things that freaked me out. <laughs> you know, I signed up for my first marathon. So the marathon was really just a almost therapeutic experience where, you know, things that a marathon is kind of like one of those pivotal moments. Like you do those things kind of like writing a book, right? You, you put it on this bucket list of like, I want to do this someday. And I just didn't see myself actually doing it. And I was like, now's the time. If I'm going to do this, quit talking about it, start taking action. And so I signed up to run a marathon. I made some amazing friends, had some great memories, ended up running like seven more. And I would never call, I still to this day, don't call myself a runner because I'm like, I didn't enjoy it. I did it from like the mental place of, there was community in it. I think that's what it was. It was about connecting with other people during the process. So if I was to say like the spark was probably in my early twenties when I had gone through this horrible relationship. And then once I had found that I didn't want to let it go. So the, the challenge is, is 
now I'm this single white female, right? And you hear a lot of like solo female travelers. I was kind of in that niche space, but I knew in my core, I wanted to be a mom. I knew I wanted to settle. And I hate that word settle down, but I knew I wanted a family. And the world was telling me like, okay, it's time to settle down. And I was like, wait, 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 no, I don't want to lose who I am. I just found her. I like her. And at the same time I was having a career, you know, so I was like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to break the rules. I'm going to be an adventurous working mom. How about that? I'm going to create my own little box of who I want to be. And that's, that's been now an evolution since the kids were born. I've got three kids and we can talk about all this, but I never wanted to lose that spark that lit me up that, that brought me joy during a time when I was really struggling. Let's go back just slightly. I'm curious to know what was on the no list that was like the most powerful or most rewarding that maybe took the most courage to say no to within the original plan. Because I know that I, I kind of, I love the way you say it because it's even more politically correct than mine, where I always say, I signed up for the American dream, but it turned into my American hell. Yeah. And I had to learn to say no in my dream. So I'm wondering, what did you really say no with the courageous things they had to say no to in the original plan to help you embrace these new beliefs? Yeah. So the biggest probably shocker, I remember coming home at Thanksgiving. So I was living in Chicago. My family lives about three hours away from that. And I was at home and I told my mom I was leaving my job. And she's like, wait, wait, you don't do that. <laughs> like, You have a good job. You have insurance. You have a house now. Like, You don't just leave your job. Like, That's not what you do. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I, I, I was pretty bold that teaching wasn't and and now I look back, I don't know that it was actually teaching. It was just this like idea that I had to follow someone else's rules. And for me, it was like the teaching rules, the, I had to be a good adult. I mean, I'm, I'm a good adult, but you you get what I'm saying, right? I know definitely teachers. Teachers are some of the most secretly wild people (laughs) when you take the rules away. Like (laughs) my wedding, the teachers are the students that were training to be teachers. They were the craziest people at our wedding. And And they never listen. They're the noisiest kids in the group. Like if there's a group presentation, never, if, if you ever like decide to be a speaker someday, don't speak to teachers because they're a horrible audience to speak for. I'm saying all that with love. My husband's a teacher. I was a former teacher. So I'm saying all that from a place of empathy. When you Sorry, did I answer the question? You did answer the question. (laughs) And I think in the context of you in the military, saying no to every cozy thing that the military gives you is also this courageous thing that most of the time military identity crises don't happen until you're after you've left. And sometimes that's just like, okay, it's time to leave. So now and then it's like a delayed it's almost, in this case, encouraging maybe to say no before you actually to put your papers in to leave, because this allows you to say no to something and then also embracing something new. So as you started to figure out your something new, what were some of your early mentors or guiding principles as you were kind of rewiring to this new adventure and saying yes to essentially the yes movie on Netflix before it was a movie on Netflix. (laughs) I didn't even know it was a movie on Netflix. Right. So leaning into what were the things. So first of all, when I was saying yes, I started to really notice what were the things that were lighting me up and bringing me joy. And these were not complicated things. And instead of waiting. So I think quite honestly, I call it my quarter life crisis because I think I was just really mature that I didn't have to wait until my midlife. I was able to do it much earlier in life <laughs> because I wasn't allowing myself to define sec- success by someone else's standards. I had learned through the process that I was going to define what I wanted my ladder to look like. 
Um, what did I want my career to look like? And I wasn't, I given myself, I guess, permission to say like, this is fun. It's okay to keep doing this. You don't have to like turn this off to go to work or, and there was definitely work that wasn't fun. I don't want to give that impression, but it allowed me to say like, okay, I've run my race. I, and now I'm talking in metaphors. I've done the thing, right? I've enjoyed, I went into a, a job shortly after this in like community organizing, which is the furthest thing from what I want to do now, but it was fascinating. And it taught me so many different skills around evaluation, around public speaking, around handling controversy, around these, all these things that I didn't know at the time were going to be gifts for me became really uncomfortable things. And I learned as I, as I would lean into this discomfort into this curiosity, the more I would learn, I could say, yep, that was worth keeping or nope, I'm leaving that one behind. I don't need to do that one again. I had it. It was good. I think there's something thrilling in like a first time experience, but you're never good at it the first time. So sometimes you need to do it two or three times to know if you really like it. And for me, there were things that I was like, okay, I've had that one. That was good enough. I don't need a third or a fourth. I'm good. I'm telling you right now, I'm not this, or I don't want this in my life. And I know you're going to ask me like, what were some of those things? And I'm going to have to think about that for a little while, but I will say like community organizing and political action was one of those immediately. I was like, yep, great. Nope. I don't want that in my life. It's just not, it's so against who I was at that time and still really am. I'm just not that type of person. I don't want to lean into that. One thing that I've almost, I've moved, there's like initially as an entrepreneur in life, like we often debate success and failures, like these turning points of like what we need to hide or run towards. I actually just moved completely past it and I get excited for both because I find it more valuable to know which one was the right one and which one was the wrong one because then I can cross it off. Mm -hmm. And crossing things off is a process of elimination and the more you can cross off, the better you can figure out what is that one thing, but you can't do that unless you're doing success and failure. And so it's almost irrelevant whether I fail because then I just cross it off and I'm like, I would rather know than worry about if I failed or worrying any like baggage that would come from failure, like knowing is what usually keeps us stuck versus like the failures or successes. Yeah. And there's this level of anticipation too, Ben, where see people are so afraid to fail that it's like fear of the failure that gets you stuck where you don't take any action. I feel like that's the worst place to be is when you are sitting in a spot out of fear and you're not going one way or the other. At least once you try it, you can say, okay, good or bad, doesn't matter. It's done. And that action and crossing things off on the list, there's something, I mean, there may be a personality type that that really leans itself towards. I might be one of those people sometimes, but I also think it does just allow you to say like, I tried it now and I don't have to have it figured out before. I think it has to go back to this like notion that you have to have it all figured out before you actually try it. I think that's insane because how would I know if I like it or don't like it, or if it's going to be good or not good? I haven't tried it yet. We, we have a, a rule in our house. I was a really picky eater. So we have a rule in our house with the kids that anytime they see something they don't think they like and they haven't tried it, they have to do a no thank you try. And so that's kind of the mindset I have around life is if I see something and I think I don't like it, I have to at least try it, at least take a no thank you taste and give it the opportunity to really give my insights like, okay, have I actually tried the thing and do I like it? Let's take a pivot and dive into some adventure. And I'm going to open my life up to some of the early anxiety that I had with kids' adventure and vacations, where I would travel the country a lot of times. And in my life, I would see other families traveling on the airplanes internationally, and it never looked like there was a single rainbow ever showing up in that process. And so then this mindset got in my head, like, why would I purposely invite that into my life? 
Like, and even in the early days, even when I had a job and we probably could afford it if I, if I worked a little bit harder towards it, like going to Disney, I'm like going to Disney at that young of age, it's just like not worth the money. But now I wouldn't have known or predicted that I would have lost my job in 2020 or we had lost two years in the calendar with Corona. And now looking back, I'm like, you know what? You should have just sucked it up and figured it out and done it. I'm wondering to a parent or a dad that has like adventure anxiety because of they see other adventures going south or vacations to a person like me just getting started. What are those things that I need? We're like, give me some therapy lessons on these belief systems that I need to cross off so that I can get past those and into this whole nother world of accessing. Like doesn't really matter either or of those coming true. Yeah. I feel like you're my husband right now, just so you know. <laughs> and I don't mean it in that way, but I am the adventurous person in our relationship, at least initially. When my husband came to this relationship, he had never traveled in his life. He saw very little value in it. His idea of an adventure was like going fishing at the pond. And I was like, okay, so let's use that. Let's redefine what we think adventure is. It's not always these epic things like going to Disney with three kids or like getting on an airplane. If that's the thing that seems too hard, let's scale it back to the very first step. Like what's the next first step you need to take? And what is, you know, the definition truly of adventure is a new or somewhat risky experience. It's not climbing Mount Everest, but that's what we think it is. Like we have our own definition of what we think adventure is. And so scaling it back to what your definition of adventure could be, as opposed to my five-year-old version of adventure, my five-year-old version of adventure was simply playing with a bug and getting dirty or jumping in the puddles. Or, I mean, there are so many adventures that can happen in the world of a five-year-old. So scaling my mindset or his mindset or anyone's mindset back to what is our definition of adventure? And then how do we make it so that the first step isn't a hard one? So it's actually something you are already good at. It's something you've already tried. And it's not so uncomfortable initially that you don't like your fear, right? that there's so much fear and anxiety that it's a traumatic experience. I've had traumatic adventure experiences and there's still benefit and a little struggle, right? Cause I think a lot of growth happens in struggle, but it doesn't have to be that in order to be defined as some adventure to at least begin my reason. And the why behind why we adventure was as we were raising our family it became very apparent that if we did not get intentional about taking these times together and have family vacations, life was just going to happen with or without it. And we get lost in the daily life. There's so many ways, like we started this conversation that you could just get busy. You're driving, you know, a million different directions. You're on everyone else's schedule that it's really hard to take ownership of your own life and say, no, this is what we're going to do today. So vacation and adventure and all of those things gave us a reason to say, nope, this is our time. This is what we're going to do. We're not committing to, uh, you know, I'm on vacation from work. I'm not going to check my email or we're not signing up for that season of sports. It was all of those boundaries that were set because we valued the time together as a family to do something. And adventure was the thing. Let's dive into one of the chapters that I want you to kind of riff on and expand for us, which is the perception of success, mm. because I believe you just baited yourself and set yourself up perfectly to help us understand because that definition of success is often what will talk us out of it as well. Right. So going back to remember when I had that, like, 
I followed the plan and the plan lied. I had a job that was given to me and it was like the job, right? It was a good salary. It was a great title. It was everything you think you want. And I'm looking back at my life and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Because I realized in that moment, it's taking more time away from my kids. I'm not living an adventurous life. I'm sitting in a chair in front of a screen. Now, all that to say, I love my job. So I'm not suggesting it was the job. But what I couldn't figure out was what does success mean then? If it's not the money, if it's not the title, if it's not all these things that everyone tells me it is, what is it? And there's a metric that I use Um, And many people call it the wheel of life or the circle of life or whatever. And I started to look at what did I want success to look like, not just in work, but in all of these areas of my life. I don't really like the term work life balance or even life balance. Like life is like a wheel and there's a lot of different spokes and what I find joy in and what others people find joy in or what makes them thrive can be all different spokes, right? So we don't always have to have it predefined for us. But what I found was that you know, in my life, I loved family time. I loved social time. I loved fun and recreation, and I just didn't have enough of it. So I wanted to carve out space in my life to create more time for family, recreation, social time. But I couldn't figure out what the metric was. Like, what does success look like in family time? Or what does success look like in fun and recreation and hobby time? And, you know, I don't really know how I landed on this, but what I found was I'm going to start to measure joy. And joy, all of us obviously experience joy. There's no limit on joy. It's not like if I have more joy than you, you don't get any because there's not enough. There's, there's an abundance of joy to go around. So everyone can have success by using joy as the metric. And we just started, I will like full disclosure, I'm a geek. Okay. I'm a nerd. I was going to say this served well with your Excel uh, Googling <laughs> out and uh keeping track of all your budgets for your trips as well. So these were married right in heaven. Yeah. Well, and in that moment, you know, in this time in my life, I wanted to figure it out and I couldn't figure it out unless I really dove in. So we created this little audit, so to speak, where I was, we were measuring joy as a family. We're trying to quantify what were the experiences that brought us the most joy independently and then collectively as a family. And how do we leverage all of those things? You know, which one's allowed for long experiences versus just a five minute experience and which ones cost more money or lasted longer. So there was a lot of different things that we started to track in that process. But ultimately, if I was to say now, looking back, success is based on the opportunities and experiences in our life that bring us the most individual and collective joy as a family. I love that because it almost it boils down to something that I've just unpacked within my own messaging is that there's more to life than being alive. And essentially what you're doing is shifting from the biological definition to the actual life definition of like, you wake up and you squeeze the orange and a lot of juice comes out because you understand where that juice comes from, you know what, where to buy the oranges that give you the most juice. And we often don't have access to that. And it also speaks to this question we're often all haunted with, there has to be more to life than this, which is like the gateway drug into like all these other worlds of like, whoa, you mean I could do this kind of thing on the weekend and still have all the other things that are going on, but then still feel like when I go to Monday, like I don't hate Monday because I'm going back to work. I hate Monday because I have to leave the adventure. Like that's a complete paradigm shift of like, because most people don't do a lot of the exciting things on the weekend. So like getting it like more focus on Monday and leaving the weekend behind, it's like both are kind of mediocre. And so you're kind of trade one for the other. 
Yeah. And if I could just expound upon that further, you know, everyone lives for the weekends or for the vacation. And when I started to really dive into this into like, what do I want my life to look like? There was a mantra. So I love travel. Like I would be a junkie if I could on travel. And I do think travel can be a drug and you have to be a little bit careful with that. And so if I like zoom back on what does this actually mean, if I wanted every day to be like vacation, what did I want that to be? And I realized, you know, there were things about vacation. It didn't always include travel. What I loved about vacation was that all the distractions of life didn't exist, that we could just be a family. And the further and further I like double clicked on this, I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to go anywhere to have that. Like I can have that at home. I just have to be intentional about setting boundaries, but there is value in having a change in location. So sometimes it would be like, oh, we're going to go in the woods to have an adventure experience or a vacation-like experience, or we're going to go for a canoe paddle, or we're going to go camping. And I started to test these really simple things about life. And to go back to your point, Ben, I don't even think it has to happen on the weekends because so so often we're like so burned out that the weekends take recharge time. So we started to add it every single day. How can I have adventure on Monday? What does that look like? For us, it's mostly just time outside after the kids home, come home from school now. Again, it's not like we get to actually do that every single day and we're not successful every single day, but it's the intention that we want to be adventurous every single day. And that feels like a challenge that's really hard for me. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the challenge. But for some people, they just need to focus on once a week. So we can do a weekly adventure challenge. Sometimes it's just once a month. You know, it's it, you get to decide what you want it to look like. But I do want to stretch people's imagination to think vacation is not just something that happens two weeks out of the year. You can really frame what you want that to look like for you and your family. I love that. I want you to go into a different topic. Tell us about the ping pong effect. Yeah. <laughs> so this is similar to that. Like, what does success look like, right? So I have just found that there's different forms of capital in life. And for me, you know, I find energy is a is one of those indicators like I'm either like high on life or I'm depleted. There's very little in the middle, right? So you're constantly going back and forth in life. And I saw so many parents my age or with kids that were just shuffling in a million different directions and depleted. So they're either, again, it's that season of life where things are rough. And so I wanted people to start thinking about what are these seismic shifts and what if we could minimize the highs and the lows? In essence, what you're talking about is instead of like, if I was to be balanced, which let's just face it, like it's hard to be balanced. I don't, I think I'm going to have to be dead <laughs> in order to be balanced. But in order to have like true balance, you have to like change the fulcrum a little bit. Like I have to, I have to accommodate for these major seasons where energy shifts happen high and low. So in the ping pong effect, all I'm trying to encourage people to say is like, you don't have to always do one thing or the other, right? Life is not a, a, a spectrum of binary decisions. It's a spectrum instead. Like it's not black or white. How can I move the fulcrum so that there's a few less things, extremes that I'm working with and bring the options a little bit closer together. So the shift between my low energy and my high energy aren't as far apart. And so in the ping pong parent uh, or the ping pong effect, I think when you're coming down from an adventure, it's easy to lose all the joy. And there's kind of a lot of, in some ways, depression or anxiety about going back to the low season, which in some cases might be work. It could be a lot of different things. I almost call so it a dad hangover. Like yeah. <laughs> when I was a yeah. stay at home dad for 10 days when my wife went to China, like 
for the next two months, I just had like a dad hangover. I'm like, I just want those 10 days back because like nothing matters here as much as those 10 days. Well, and I, I mean, in all honesty, I was so sick of writing this book because I had so many finish lines and it's like a sprint to the finish line that the, the day you submit that you're like, I don't want to look at that book for at least three weeks. Like I'm just done because you have to like recalibrate and it's so hard to get your energy back after those. And so I was just trying to minimize the highs and lows and all of those as much as possible. Let's do a double whammy and talk about money and dreaming. So you have practiced over many years on how to budget plan and well, save well within the travel and do some amazing trips, even to Hawaii. And I believe 2,500 bucks, if I remember the full spreadsheet does roll out and dive into how those money lessons led you up into what you're about ready to embark on this summer, which isn't something I don't think most people think about. So I kind of want to crescendo it up to like, this is what's possible if you take these daily reps of adventure that the adventures don't have to get bigger, but they can be more freeing and filled with more joy on a longer timetable. Yeah. So let's just tell a little bit of our money story. My husband and I were both public employees. So all in all, like our down, our income was never luxurious. So I always had kind of that limitation. And as I was alluding to earlier, my husband was not an avid traveler. So in terms of budget, it didn't have a lot of space. I would have spent a lot more money, but I was forced to like prove this to my husband <laughs> that like, no, we can do this. Trust me. Let me show you how to. <laughs> um, I don't think so, an ice tent in the middle of Wyoming or Montana and freezing <laughs> yourself. I don't know if that was really convincing him well, though. No, but it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> we both like look at that now and go, what the heck? So, yeah, just to tell that story a little bit further. My husband and I are just dating. He has a motorcycle. We are driving back from Chicago to visit some friends. And he says, gosh, look at all these really cool things that are happening in Sturgis. And I was like, well, let's go. It's in two weeks. And he's like, no, I don't have a big enough bike. We don't have the gear. There's like 10,000 reasons why we couldn't go. And I was like, oh no, we got this. We'll go. We left on a Wednesday night. We came back on a Sunday. Like it's three states away. It's insane. The trip you're talking about though was in Yellowstone. So the second year we went back and extended our trip for a full 10 days and did not take into consideration that there's a change in elevation between South Dakota and Yellowstone. And so we woke up with like a towel wrapped around our neck and slept in all of our leathers in our boots. We had no blankets. We just had like a sheet and a down blanket that we both were sharing. It was ridiculous. So there were times though, that that struggle, you, you don't forget those moments. And it brought us closer together because now we can laugh about it thinking like, what were we thinking? <laughs> Why did we think that was a good idea? But we can learn from it. So we've continued to tent camp and continued to evolve and knowing that's a good context to go, oh, I can't bring my now three-month-old camping with us because it's going to be too cold. Because remember that time in Wyoming when there was ice on the tent? Like that still happens sometimes. To go back to your story though of teaching and giving the model of why adventure was valuable, I didn't have a lot of wiggle space in the budget. So we agreed to, and we have a rule. I have two rules that you should probably know about. We can't say no to each other for 24 hours. And we have a big spend rule that if we're going to spend more than 20 or $250, we have to get the other person's permission. Other than that, if it's under that, we pretty much have a lot of independence around it. And so I remember booking the first trip and we were going to be going out to Seattle and I had a, a child, we had, a, I think one or two kids at this point. And he was still kind of like, why are we doing this? Like, this is a hassle. This feels like work. And I was like, dude, it's costing us less than a thousand dollars. And I'm going to prove to you that this is worth it. But 
you know, in that moment, I think it, it took him a little while. Well, we're at a baseball stadium and my son is big into baseball. We're at the Seattle Mariners and we don't do anything luxurious, by the way. I try to hack and optimize as much as I can. So I found a way at that trip, on that trip, I think our four tickets were less than $30, which is hard to do, but there was some deal and some promotion and some kids benefit that put together. I could figure out a way to optimize our budget. The, uh, we're there for baseball practice and they call my son down to the field, give him a ball. Baseball batting practice is over. They give my son the ball and we're like, Whoa, that was cool. Like, how did that happen? We go back up to our nosebleed beachers, bleacher seats. My daughter's like dancing. My son is like, raw, like I'm on top of the world. And my husband looks at me and goes, I think I get it now. I think I understand. It doesn't matter how much money we spend. It's that this moment right now, we're all going to remember this moment. And this never would have happened back home. So I, whatever you're doing here, however you're making it work, I want to do more of this, however that looks. So for years, it was camping and low cost budget experiences. We have family and friends, a lot of places we offer to host people. We stay with people when we can. That's an awkward sometimes conversation. But when you build the community around that and you build that into who you are and you value having those relationships, it's been less awkward. Uh, And then I started to discover travel rewards. And that's a little bit more of a rabbit hole I can go down. But a big rabbit hole, if I listen (laughs) to any of the podcast correctly. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bigger rabbit hole, which probably I can talk more about it if you want me to, but it's a little bit more complicated. So you just start to learn different tools that you already know. Like Ben, you know, things from the military, you just start to apply those things from your life. You can optimize. I I remember you and I talking about ISO (laughs) certification, like how you ISO the house, You, you take the things that you already know, and then you optimize them and make them better. And that is really the convergence of adventure and money becoming these worthwhile experiences. Is that I I will never brand myself as a luxury adventurous person. Uh, we're we're much more scrappy, <laughs> but that's when I find we have just the greatest experience. Maybe one day I don't say never because uh, like oh I just forgot it. Like uh, what's the Cabela's? Like if you had a Cabela sponsorship, I bet you would take some luxury camping equipment. I would take luxury camping equipment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's a true story, but that's still camping. I mean, it's still camping. I probably won't be on some yacht someday. I don't know. That would be a harder. Again, if someone was to sponsor, I would probably say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you asked a question. I did not answer your question. So camping has been a journey. We started, like you heard, in this freezing cold tent in Montana. And the embarker or the adventure that we are embarking on this summer is we have now after years of renting RVs, pop-up campers, all these things, we now have purchased an RV that we are going to be part-time living in and traveling. I think I don't even have this finalized, Ben. I think we're going to be gone from home something like 60 days this summer, three kids and a dog in less than 300 square foot space. And part of that wasn't overnight either because you got the camper was it two years ago or one year ago is it one year old mm, i think it's year old i think it's just yeah. march of 2021 yep. so it's like these just kind of like stacking successes like okay now we have and you didn't just like buy it locally in wisconsin you went all the way to the east coast and then drove it home which was an adventure in all of itself and allowed you to like success stack to get to this 
pinnacle of kind of unplugging everything. And this is something I don't think like because people are following the plan, the plan doesn't have this type of wiggle room in it, which it requires the best reason to blow it up is because like I think Steve Jobs has famously said, like most of us just live by a set of rules that are people put in place. Like the rules are like are can be broken and rewritten for the most part. And it's that plan that prevents us, like just keeps us into this rabbit hole of patterns. Like it's part of the downside of consumerism that I don't like because they convince you you need to go to Target every weekend, but there's no adventure at Target. I mean, there could be if you really wanted one, but it's not something that's gonna fuel a perpetual like new adventure of joy. Um, and as I say that, there's probably a lot of people that will send me hate mail for saying that Target <laughs> doesn't bring joy. But in the context that you don't necessarily need to spend money at Target is what maybe we should end on. Yeah. Um, but that Can idea I... is the success stacking of it. Yeah, for sure. And to that point is I kept finding ways I couldn't do what I wanted. And for me, that was liberating because I was like, okay, I see full-time families who sell their sell everything and they live in their RV. I was like, that's great, but that's not us because we're not selling our home. So I got to find a different way to figure this out. So just to give you one funny little story, we bought an RV and we had a pop-up camper and I still love like the scrappiness of the pop-up. So I wasn't really willing to sell it yet. And what ended up happening is we ended up renting out our pop-up camper that we owned and it covered the price, the monthly payment on our RV. And I was like, whoa, we just cash flowed two assets that we're just like optimizing these different. And we're thinking about how we do that with our house and do we rent out our RV? So the rules of life are designed as a challenge. Like you don't have to necessarily follow those, but see how could I make this work for me? For me, every time I saw those opportunities, it was like, here's a challenge. Let's figure this one out. And that's also part of the adventure is figuring out how to make it work. If I were to challenge you to give us a question or even a thought to wrap up with, what's that thing that we need to really look at and analyze the most? And I think I already have the answer, but I'm gonna let you put words to it. Like, what's that thing that will like begin the seed? Like if this is, if this adventure idea is an oak tree, what's that first seed that we put in the ground to become that oak tree that helps us get there? Like. Is there a common thought that we could anchor in or start in if we're caught in the busyness of life and we don't really know where to begin? Yeah, there's a couple of suggestions I would say is what's your eulogy going to say? Who's going to read it? What do you want it to say? So for me, that was the basis of a dream list that said this is all the things I want to experience before I die. And some people call that a bucket list. I'm less about a bucket list than I am a dream list in part. And you can I mean, I don't care what you call it, but for me, a bucket list is destinations. I don't think life is based on definite definitions are based on destinations. It's not the summit. It's the journey and how you get there. And the things that happen along the way are the things people will remember you for. Not did I go to this place and did I check this box? I also think that the dream list is a really critical factor of like, what do you do tomorrow? Because I can think 20 years out and think about the end of my life and think, oh, I'll work. I'll start that next week. And we're really good at getting things done, I think, in a shorter term of, you know, things actually happen tomorrow. They don't actually happen if I think about them for the next five years. I just think about them then. So I really encourage people to start acting sooner than later. And even if it's like, oh, this is my dream. And the first step is I'm going to, I don't know, order hiking shoes. There you go. That's your first step. You've already made, you've already taken action. I don't know if I told you this when we've been, been together, but 
what I loved about what you just said is it speaks to something that most men suck at is we get so caught up on providing, which is based on a financial purpose, based on going to a place for eight hours a day and 40 hours a week and rinsing and repeating that we don't dream almost to the detriment. That's why we get stuck in ruts is like, it's because we're just going around in a circle instead of dreaming about like new paths. And the one title that I always love giving dads is a professional dreamer. And that's essentially, you could almost call it your title. Like I'm a professional dreamer and I dream big and we do it through adventure because that dreaming is the capacity to imagine differently. And in many ways, there's a, there's a, almost a mind game I play with people because many of them can't dream. Like if I ask them to dream, if like they lost their job today, what would they do tomorrow? They struggle, or maybe some of them would come up with like on a vacation. They go like to Cancun for two months or something like crazy. And then I'm like, then what? Like these dreams are finite. They don't have a long road and to be able to repeat them. They're really almost just very ordinary dreams that maybe they just saw on TV. And what I love about this idea is I always have to give them a million dollars. And once I give them a million dollars, it like opens up their world. It's like, oh, I would do all of these different things. I'm like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. But I love how you ended on dreaming because at the root of adventure is this lack of dreaming of what could be in your life. Adventure is every category of your life. Like your adventure in your career is an adventure. If you don't consider your career an adventure, you're not living a very or a very fulfilling career because it's not growing or it's not getting like adventure is at every one of those categories, even spiritually, like it's an adventure trying to go in and figure out how the universe works and your connection to it. All of these things come from a capacity to dream. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I don't have any like follow up to that, like exclamation point. <laughs> well, Heidi, I really appreciate you coming on this podcast. And we're definitely going to look forward to seeing you up north and to fix our Wisconsin problem and make it official. If there is anything you want to finally leave us with, with anything from your book or any final parting words, what would they be? Yeah, I think my big takeaway is adventure doesn't have to be hard. So simplify it. What are the simple things you can do today to take that next first step? And adventure really is just stepping outside. I, I like to call it the margins of comfort. So you don't have to do the epic thing. You don't have to jump into trauma. Just take a little step that challenges you in whatever that looks like. And if you need help, let me know. I love that breaking it down because it's a small step that's going to get us there. And like yours was a very small step of telling your mom that, you know what, I'm out this plan isn't working and we're going to go write a new plan. Like sometimes it's that I mean that in itself is an adventure is like, you know what, we're going to figure out what life could look like. That's the, the irony with venture is this is not a grand Canyon type walk or hike. It's just mm -hmm. doing something different to figure out what makes you come alive. Yeah. I always like to say, if you need permission, give me a call. I'll give you permission to adventure. Yes. Also, I forgot to plug that you also have a podcast, The Ordinary yeah. Sherpa. I that's where I, I've got a lot of your stories from as well that I was feeding into because all these stories kind of like expand my dreaming ability of like, wow, she actually survived that. Like, I wonder what else I could survive if she could survive that. Like, that's also what you get sometimes. But I've gotten out of your podcast is just expanding like what's possible when someone else like survived in the Wyoming uh, woods of like, you know what? She made it. I wonder how I could make it too. Like flying on an airplane with kids, like you would make it. Like it's okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be yeah. fine. And I talk, I always assumed, you know, I, I let other people decide how I was supposed to feel for a long time. And uh, it's interesting because I've had, and I talk, I don't want to like plug my book or anything, but there's times that I've talked about over and over again where what I thought was going to happen and what I planned for 
were completely different in a very positive way from what actually happened. So my daughter got sick on an airplane and I can't tell you the most humiliating feeling is when your daughter's throwing up on an airplane with a hundred other people around, like all the things I feel as a parent, I had that. I've had kids like screaming and screaming and screaming in the middle of the night on a, on a red eye back from Alaska. Yeah, it probably wasn't the best decision. But at the same time, what I wasn't prepared for was the overwhelming generosity of others. And that's what happens over and over again is I have now made space in my life to accept their generosity instead of saying, we can't do this because I'm too afraid to try. Instead, I'm willing to try. And if I screw up, I'm going to say I'm sorry and accept their generosity in return. Well, I absolutely love that, Heidi. Where's the best place if people do want to have a little bit more Heidi in their life? Where's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, the best place is probably on the podcast. It's free. It's easy to access any podcast player. You can find me also on Instagram is probably where I play the most. I do have a recent book, as as you alluded to, Beyond Normal a field guide to embrace adventure, explore the wilderness and design an extraordinary life with kids where you can get all the details and resources and a bunch of free takeaways as well. And that will be a link on, or there'll be a link for Amazon in the show notes as well for that and the podcast. Heidi, thank you as always for being a friend and continuing to inspire more in my life every time that you come on my Instagram feed. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. It's been an honor. Thanks for having me. Wow, I hope that you got just out as much as out of that episode as I did. And I hope that you enjoyed a little bit of my own therapy session as I was asking her different questions about my life and the different insecurities that I've had with adventure over the years. The big takeaway out of this was the story about the baseball stadium in this in Seattle. Because I've had these moments as well, and they're the trickiest things to just get your head wrapped around because you can't put them on a brochure. You can't even tell the kids that these memories are going to be made because they most likely wouldn't believe you. But then afterwards, it's that memory that they hold on to forever. And this is why adventure is so important. Because in our life, there's these moments that can happen that we'll never forget. And I've been talking a lot in this podcast about inviting life into your life, a lot about how to create that feeling to go out into the world and just experience life. Experience is the key word there. Season that with adventure. You create moments that you couldn't design, but then once they happen, they can never live without. And to me, anytime I'm designing an adventure, when I could get hung up on the expectations of that adventure, Disney World could be a classic example where you could stress about all the expectations, trying to plan all the different things for the kids. And at the end of the day, the moment they're probably going to remember is not one you spent any time trying to design. Holding that faith into that moment that it's more about being there. It's more about the journey than the destination, to quote that cliche, and understanding that along that journey, as long as you create this idea to happen, you invite this idea to happen, that experience will create a memory that will be the, make the entire thing worth it. So it's not so important to get hung up on the big idea or the big destination or the big feelings at the end, it's always more important to relax, breathe, and realize that the things that are going to be magical about this trip are things you have little control over 
and little idea of how they're ever going to happen. But once they happen, imagine never living without. If this episode inspired you, if it inspired you to live a richer life this summer, this episode is perfectly timed for summer. Share it with a friend. The only way this podcast grows is if people like you that get value out of this podcast, share it with someone that they know needs to live a life through adventure. Guys, that is all I have for you today. And I'll be back again with you on Monday for our last interview show before we shut down the interview shows for the summer and we go into some kind of similar to the Coming Home series. But I've got some ideas that I'm going to kick off for June on different series on things that I've learned about the podcast. And you'll be surprised when they come. But I'm working on that and I'm excited. So one more interview show. Other than that, guys, again, have an amazing week. We'll talk again on Monday. Monday.